Galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium. This is the Horus Heresy. All right. So my name is Jesse Irvin. This is the first episode of Remembrancer's Retreat. I'm joined by just a large group of our members here. We have William Lancaster. Hello. We have David Dennett. What's up? We have We've got uh, Jason here. We got Stephen. Uh, Robbie. Uh, who else we got? We got Ryan from Maryland here. Caro, uh, Jared, our resident. Oh, yeah. uh, what will you? What, what do you play? Those stupid yellow guys, right? I guess so. All, All right. right. So, what we've got here is a group of players and community members who want to try to reach out to the rest of the world, and you know we're being a little selfish here, so we're trying to recruit new players to our local area. And what's the best way to do that? As David pointed out. Uh, earlier in the conversation, except then make a podcast for it. So that's what we're doing. Hell yes. So we're going to roll right into things and kind of give you a what we've been up to. This being the first one, though, we're going to talk about ourselves a little bit. So, Jesse, uh, what's your deal, man? Well, okay. My first introduction to Warhammer was about four or five years ago when 6th edition first came out. Um. was kind of curious into it. I've always heard of Warhammer, but never really jumped into playing it. And one day I was like, well, let's jump in, go for it. Had a great time building, modeling, and hobbying. And I heard some people talk about this game called Horus Heresy. I was like, that's kind of neat. I played Dark Angels in 40K. And seeing the Dark Angels as kind of a, almost a brand new army, the way they're colored all black and whatnot, and that seemed pretty interesting. And met a few people here in Richmond 30K and... That's where it all started. David, what about yourself? How'd you get into the uh, hobby here? Uh, I mean, fucking Primarchs, man. You know? I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? They brought Primarchs into uh, into the game we all know and love, right? Because I don't know about you guys, but uh, I grew up playing 40K. Uh, I think everybody I know grew up playing 40K. I think we all branched out for some, you know, some period of time. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's like leaving the church, right? You, you, you got it. You leave, you go, you know. But then you gotta find yourself. <laughs> gotta yeah, find you, yourself. You always circle right, right back to it, yeah. Um, no, man. Uh, I think 40K and uh, 30K are natural, uh, you know, that, that's that's how we get get where we, we're going. Just having a great time. Playing a lot of lists, playing a lot of uh, different legions, trying to find my, uh, you know, trying to find my my true self but uh so you don't have a uh, a bottom boo as it were right now when it yeah. comes to legions i don't think so i think so still testing the water i kind of recently went through a phase like that but i'm finally back <laughs> yeah uh myself i was in the army for six years and then moved to richmond when i got out with my wife and uh she didn't want me playing video games all the time so she told me i needed to find a hobby so i walked into this local store called the dragon's den and i picked up a box of tau fire warriors so yeah that's how i started and i was like these tile fire warriors are pretty cool but let me see what else is out there and i somehow ended up on forge world website and um saw the iron hand strike force i'm not sure if you guys remember that one yeah i think so. it, it was, was all a, the little yeah. elite units in there yeah it had like uh what was the basic one before, like, the newer ones came out with the Kalth boxes? It was an Iron Father with 20 tactical marines, five, 10 of which were the uh, Forge World special Iron Hand cast ones. And then it had shoulders and bolters um, and then Vexillas and all this stuff. So I picked that up and then a Sikarin, and that was my first foray into 30k. But for a while, 
I was just playing against 40k armies because nobody here was playing 30k. And this is back in 2014. And that's when I met Jared. And Jared, who played Mechanicum at the time, um, you know, he was the only other 30k player I had. So eventually, and this was years down the road, I want to say, well, years, I say probably one year, uh, I was talking to Jared after an APOC game, and I was like, I really want to make a community where it's all 30k players and not 40k players thrown in the mix. So him, myself, uh, Steven, and uh, who was it, Matt, got together one night and we played a 30k game. And I brought Steven kicking and screaming because he was a hardcore word bearer 40k player. So he, he finally tried out 30k and hasn't been back since, I don't think. Um, but yeah, that's how the community started as a whole. That's how I got started. Um, there was a time when it was just me and Jared, and now we're up to, I think, 100 members in the community, at least online, with active probably 15, 8 to 15 members coming to events. Yeah, that's what I really like about our events. We always have a good amount of people come in and play, like at least 10. Which is crazy to think because we hold so many events. But to us, an event could be a mega battle or it could be like a sort of tournament thing. I don't know if people would call mega battles events always, but the way we run them, we definitely run them as events. And we do, you know, one a month. So, And we're still making good turnouts like that. All right, Jason, you want to talk to us about uh, what you do? Oh, dear. What do I do? So, uh, let's see. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those uh, crusty old dudes building uh, heresy marines from pieces out of the original uh, tactical marine box set. It's a really sad start considering I uh, I don't really play marines much anymore. I am all about the Mechanicum and the Mortals. I'm a big fan of those so far. So I'd have to say, first coming into it, I, uh, I was always a big fan of Forge World. I've been playing uh, 40k, you know, first, pretty much like everybody else. Uh, so I was long acquainted with Forge World buying, uh, you know, goofy Eldar stuff when I was a silly kid. But uh, eventually, one day I logged on and saw brand new Mechanicum Thalax. And I've essentially been in love with the Mechanicum ever since. The Thalax are a classic model, in my opinion. And I, I love them to death, dude. I would, I've wanted to start Mechanicum just to play them. I mean, in all my Iron Hands list. I uh, always find a way to write in Thalax somehow. See, I really appreciate that. Everybody hears Mechanicum and they think big stompy robots, but cyborgs are there too, man. Yeah, cyborgs aren't people too, you know? You get a lot of work done. There's parts of people inside of the cyborgs. Yes, that's true. I think brains and that's it, or maybe stems. Or I, I you know, think it's about. Stems. I think it's a brain, a face, sometimes, and a spinal cord, and you've got a phallax. Two. How long is Steve going to creep in the background before we actually introduce him? Well, let's let that weirdo introduce himself. Oh God. Um, all right. So I'm Stephen. I my first introduction to Warhammer was uh, when I was in college. I picked up a copy of Dawn of War. 99 cents at a used bookstore and as soon as i fired that up i knew right away that the only thing i would ever want to talk about for the rest of my life would be chaos space marines and so i did um i picked up dark vengeance uh, a couple of years later as my first foray into the actual tabletop and as will uh, mentioned i was a pretty hardcore chaos player for a really long time uh 
And one day he was like, hey, do you want to play against my heresy list? And I was like, oh, sure, that's just more Marines, right? Just more, more people to mow down. And um, I remember it very distinctly. He put 20 tactical Marines in a bunker and then said, I'm going to Fury of the Legion, your cultists. And I ate 80 bolt shots and knew that I wanted to play heresy. Because it's not fair that he's the only one that gets to empty his bolt gun twice. Yeah, and uh, not sure if that was completely legal at the time. I mean, you know, I was still new, so uh, might not have been legal. But I don't see anything in the rules written saying you can't fury out of a bunker. Well, you I think it was—I think it was more the moving thing. You—you you moved. You would move and fury. You and Jared both would. Just, yeah, I'm going to yeah, move up into point because blank I'm range. a cheater, and you need yeah, to accept that. Well, now everyone knows because it's being—it's uh, being recorded. So. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen gotcha. rose up from that cheating and became the winner of the best overall for the 30k Nova event this year. Yeah, way to play it coy, Stephen, and not minish your or mention your biggest life achievement there. I would say my uh, daughter is my biggest life achievement, but you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, let's talk about real things like winning Nova children. I mean, maybe in the future they'll be great, but I mean, Nova's Nova, great now. Nova's pretty good, I guess, if you like that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, now it's now I just play Heresy Chaos Marines by playing Word Bearers all the time. There you go, uh, Jared. What about you, my man? Well, like you said, I I got into Mechanicum because I was tired of losing Um I think we did our first Heresy game. We knew no rules. You would bet squads after disembarking from a transport. Lies! Come on, guys! Now you're just making stuff up. I think I ignored all your flare shields. Yeah, no, I'm loose, man. <laughs> but once Kalf came out, I I got into Raven Guard, played them for a little bit, but then I drank the yellow Kool Aid, and that was that was that. I, uh, what what are you up to on um, Imperial Fist now? How many points are you like, you got of them? Like ten thousand? Something something like that. I got fifty Terminators, yeah. about four Alex Wars, eighty Tacticals. Yeah, definitely the largest uh, Imperial Fist collection i've seen in person so your crazy sandcastles don't count jared just say yeah oh. yeah this dude plays imperial <laughs> fist properly and actually brings castellans and firestorm redoubts to games like casually well they're actually good in 30k then yeah fucking amazing i think that's the reason have? why the horus heresy here in richmond is so great because the amount of effort and just quality that people put into their models, into their armies is just amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, and when we first started the community, our events were held and they were, um, you know, if you had a fully painted army, you would get preferred enemy versus a army that wasn't fully painted. But now because it's been two years, I think since Calth or whatever, um, and people have had time to paint up their armies, everybody's armies are painted now. So we've gotten rid of that rule to where it's only, painted armies are allowed and it's really great to see these events like you said jesse where everybody just puts in all the time and the effort to get fully painted models on the table it's it's awesome uh let's do uh, robbie next hey can y'all hear me all right yes yeah, sir we can all right fine. all right yeah. i'm on the road so just bear with me if you hear a big boom it means i'm dead uh all right so first off i want to start off by letting everybody know i'm a recovering power gamer uh my intro into Warhammer 40k was with a Decurion. So I was a Necron player. And, you know, playing up the Dragon's Den, you get a lot of bad looks coming in with it. And 
Yeah, you did. I needed, I needed, a, I needed a change of pace, and uh, it was actually Will was hosting a uh, tactical, was a tactical strike or tactical? Yes, vengeance? sir. Yep. Yeah, uh, was, Victory's Vengeance campaign. Yeah, he hosted a campaign, which was a little, it was like pseudo 40k intro to getting into 30k rules. Man, it was the most fun I've ever had playing a game, with the exception of playing Necromunda. Uh, it was it was great, and then it, the whole scene, everybody started picking up 30k, and there's some people like Jared and Jason. They already had, uh, you know, Mechanicum. Jason had a, a Dorito Dreadnought. I had no idea what the hell it was. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go play and stomp some some lonely little Imperial Guard player with my Necrons. And, but then Betrayal at Kalf dropped. And, man, it was like the frugal Jew in me was like, yo, this is a good deal. We need to hop on this right now uh, just for the models. And then it kind of like force-fed you into a greater community. And it was all harbored by, you know, Richmond 30k we had I had no idea what it was going to turn into the, the people are just amazing and then it's just harboring I mean it's just it's good all around like my hobby skills are improving uh, I'm like uh, I do martial arts and like a big self-defense person and I've got like I don't have PTSD but I'm like really really anxious and this hobby has helped calm me down so much and it's it's truly it's truly a blessing in disguise, which is all thanks to these people here. Well, thank you, Robbie. We love you, and we are here to support you every step of the way on your recovery. Even though now you're playing Solar Auxilio, and uh, you run D strength demo bots all over the place that nobody knows how to handle yet. Have a dick move. Love it. <laughs> I mean, it's in the rule book. Yeah, it's in it's the rules. Fun in, it's all fun and games until a little. RC car blows you to hell. As it fillers, man. All right, let's move on to uh, Ryan. He is uh, not a 30k Richmond guy. He's our uh, what would you say, a liaison, an ambassador for Maryland. So let him introduce himself here. Yeah, so uh, I'm up in Maryland. Um, I've played played 40k for quite a while, a number of years. I uh, was on the Freebooter forums, knew some of the guys uh, in Richmond through the forums. Um, took a break from the hobby for a couple of years. Uh, I was overseas for a number of months doing some work over there, got really bored and started uh, connecting to people on my forums and came across this thing called Eye of Horus, uh, the Eye of Horus podcast. And they started talking about 30K, which I didn't really know what the hell they were talking about, but it definitely piqued my interest. That's kind of what jump-started my interest into 30K. So when I got back from overseas, ordered up a Mechanicum army, um, and then played with some of these guys out at Nova in 2016. And then from there, I've uh, been to a couple of their events down in Richmond. So it's about a three-hour drive for me to get down there, um, but definitely worth it. And uh you know, the, the Richmond scene has kind of helped me up in Maryland set up, you know, giving me motivation to set up a similar group, um, a little bit more nascent, not quite as advanced as the uh, Richmond guys, but definitely trying to uh, build the community in Maryland and the surrounding states. So that's me. We love having you down here, man. And uh, yeah, you never need help with Maryland. You let us know. We'll send our elite SEAL Team 6 down there and uh, 
you know, sneaky squirrels and stuff or, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. I expect it. We're all Navy SEAL qualified, I think, every one of us. So, yeah. I might have to, I might have to recertify. I think I want mine laps. Is it a permanent thing or do you have I to get it out of the No, you have to do, uh, all right. Now we're going to have uh, Caro. Yeah, so, well, I got into the hobby because of Jesse pretty much. He's such a huge fan. You can hang out with him without hearing about <laughs> Warhammer and Richmond 30k especially. Third. So I'm, I'm still pretty new, so I'm tr- tr- still trying to get a hold of all the rules and everything. But at least I'm able to paint pretty well. Yeah, hobby first. There you go, Carol. Um, and yeah, I like having you on board, especially for the podcast, because you'll always be able to give us the uh, new player insight, which sometimes we may lack, having been here for so long. And some of us, like, uh, you know, Jason or old salty dogs who um, may have gotten uh, uh, jaded from past experiences. So to see your you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tail thing when you see a new model, you might be like, oh, this is so great. So, you know, cool. All right, something fun to destroy. Right before someone takes a dump on it. All right. Uh, next. Kara, oh, Kara ahead, David. In, yeah, Kara was in Nova. Don't forget. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Yes, she was w- running was... around taking pictures. I drank too much to remember Nova. <laughs> yeah, any Nova listeners, uh, we are still looking for a small cooler once filled with Skippy. If anyone knows where that is, please tell us. It's, it's red on the bottom, white on the top. Uh... I think it had uh, jet fuel in it, not Skippy. I don't know what Skippy is. I think it was jet fuel. At the very least, as long as it's back for next year, filled with more Skippy. There will definitely be more Skippy. Yeah, you're you're just not allowed to drink it. I want to see what Brooke's face looks like right now, Robbie. What do you mean? (laughs) More Skippy? (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's giving me the stink eye. Absolutely. Very nice. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, latest thing from Forge World slash GW. What do we got? Let's go to uh, Rob and Jason for this one. Not a rule book. Womp. It's a little too soon for that one. Okay, let's yeah, that's let's still tone it down. Knife way too early. Yeah, apparently it was a lamination issue. That's why they decided yeah, to. Like, I saw Garo um, on Facebook said that. So you know, I like that dude. I take his word for most things, considering he actually goes to these events and we're just, uh, you know, regurgitating whatever we read. He's That's us. 100%. Yeah, right. 100%. Uh, right? I think so, yeah. So really, that makes us, that kind of makes us like the Mechanicum. Only Garrow really understands what's happening and the rest of us just parrot him. Yeah, that's that's life. So Jason, what's your opinion? What, what do we have this week, actually? The doors. I know those, right? Oh, yeah, the doors. I keep forgetting about those, but they do actually exist. I mean, let's be honest. It's what? Blood Angel and Dark Angel doors to this go around, right? No, this time it's uh, Thousand, Thousand Suns, yeah. Ultramarines, yeah, White Scars, and uh, White Scars. Right. White yeah, and, and uh, Death Guard, yeah. So some yeah. legions are getting new doors, and, or, you know. Some are getting doors for the first time, and some legions are getting um, all brand new styles of doors more in line with their 30k theme. That's exciting. You know, if you're playing those legions, that's great. I've heard good things about doors. I mean, I'm sure Rob appreciates his doors right now. <laughs> okay. Doors uh, are always a plus. 
I did notice someone mentioned on Facebook that the uh, the White Scar doors for the Forge World Rhinos actually have no seam. So that's basically one solid door piece. They don't like have the illusion to split open. It's just like, oh my God, really? Can I I ask a question about the doors? Right? Because you guys are all like. The uh, band or the model? Hobbyist. No, no, yeah, definitely. Either. Right? Like, yeah. So does anybody here actually use the Forge World doors? Has anyone bought them? It's funny you ask that because I actually did for my Iron Hands command Land Land Raider. I got okay. a uh, what, what is the command augury you can add into it? I figured I'd make it look special by adding the the doors to it. That's the only time I've used them. Because I feel I feel like they work at cross purposes with the uh, with the decals, right? The transfers. Like I feel like the the transfers are just so much cooler. And uh, and if you uh, you know if you buy the doors, then it, I I don't know. It just feels like paint by numbers. But uh, yeah, sorry man, I cut somebody off. Yeah, no. no I was, was going to say I had the I had Death Guard That's doors, versatile. and uh, I, I think what you'll find is there's people that are comfortable doing decals, and there's people that are highly intimidated by decals. Um, and most people looking at any of the decal sheets from Forge World, I mean, they look fantastic, right? But there's an intimidation factor there. It's a lot easier to buy a set of doors or buy shoulder pads that have the yeah. Legion icons on them and do the paint by numbers. Um, Not to mention quicker. And it's a little bit quicker. And they, they do look good. I mean, the, I have them for Death Guard, uh, Rhinos, and Land Raiders. And they look really good. Now, that being said, now that I know how to do decals, you know, well after I had built and painted those, I probably would prefer to put decals on those for future armies. Yeah. And should you, in the event, I guess, ever strip or decide to sell the model, which does happen, you know, if those doors are on there, they might be a little bit more difficult to remove. Um and then, you know, tie it to that Legion forever. But, uh, yeah. So, the Mars, typically what we're uh, going to do... Go ahead, Stephen. I think the um, what a lot of people overlook, especially uh, with those Deimos patterns coming out, is that you can use the Mars pattern ry- uh, rhino doors on things other than rhinos. Uh, they work on almost the all land raiders, yeah. flyers. They work on... Uh, the Land Raider doors work on super heavies. Um, they're just sticking right there on the side, and they're actually really easy to overlook. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely you right. I know. Doors, then you can put them on other stuff too. I didn't even think about putting them on like uh, Storm Raven or something like that. Is it Storm Raven? Storm Eagle. Storm Raven. Storm Eagle. One. Right now, I, I think they. I think they still use the doors though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely you could use them for that. Or like, uh, I know the Land Raider Assault Door also can be used on the. Um, Spartan. So now let's get into a subject that is going to typically tie in with whatever is released. We just had a bad week where we got doors and not uh, a new unit. And that's going to be our worth a buy section. There was some Necromunda stuff. There is. And uh, we'll talk about Necromunda later. um, Because there's some really cool Necromunda stuff that was leaked at, uh, what was that, the Forge World? That wasn't Forge World Open, was it? It was the Warhammer Open. It was Warhammer Open. That's what it was, yeah. And uh, let me tell you, that new house they released looks like a bunch of hipster badasses, man. They all got like little beards and like raffled clothes. Yeah, I like those guys a lot. They look like they'd brew whiskey out in the uh, hills of West Virginia. I think it was uh, David who mentioned they'd probably make a good base for like a militia or something for 30K. Oh, I bet, yeah. 
Actually, those were the, uh, I don't know if they're going to be like hired guns or um, bounty hunters or whoever, but the, the Forge World models that are releasing alongside the Orlocks look fucking amazing, man. Like there's a cultist militia guy in there who uh, he just he just looks awesome. And then there's a, there's a couple other models that I think would be really cool. And uh, yeah, we definitely talk about that uh, at the, I think at the end, right, Will? Yes, sir, we do. Yep. Right. But we're going to do worth a buy on the Legion Sikorin Arcus Strike Tank. And this is the uh, missile launching. Uh, I, at first, I thought it was going to be a World 1 Scorpion on a fast chassis that ignored the um, missile barrage rule. You know, always had D3 no matter what. It could move or stay still. But uh, let's go into this, actually, and talk about it. Does anybody want to read the, uh, the little spiel at the top of the sheet? It talks about how the Mechanicum hates this thing. I have the uh, the rules right here, Will. The, the uh, Legion Sikorin Arcus Strike Tank for 205 points. You want me to... Yeah, if you go, could read the uh, the top part of that. That talks about why the uh, Mechanicum doesn't like them. Absolutely. As part of a program initiated by the Primarch Gilliman, seeking to grant a Legion Strike Force access to highly specialized weapon systems without the need to employ numerous vehicles for each role, the Sikorin hull was chosen to mount the newly developed Arcus Launcher. Capable of deploying a wide range of warheads, each crafted to fill a distinct tactical niche, the Arcus was intended to become the cornerstone of a new tactical doctrine the Master of Ultramar had begun to formulate, allowing small Legion Astartes forces to operate without extensive support and in smaller numbers than the Great Crusade. That was 40k. Fuck! No, 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 that's that's the... That's the same one. That is the correct one. Is that it? But he yeah. developed it during during the Great Crusade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is funny though. With the new 40k timeline, it does sound like it comes straight out of the 41st millennium. Yeah, it doesn't. It? Damn you, Space Dad! <laughs> so if you could finish that for me, five yeah, minutes confirmed. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, despite being limited to a few prototype vehicles at the onset of the Horus Heresy and the doctrinal issues that kept it out of production on most major Forge worlds, a number of Legion homeworlds produced small numbers of this variant. Of particular note is the inclusion of the Neutron Flux Warhead, a Terran development dating back to the years prior to the alliance with stratum of the cybernetica cortex employed by the mechanicum automata with xenom causing terminal cascade failures in these systems continued production of these weapons was the cause of the mechanicum's refusal to sanction the arcus hull so i love that they hate the fact that terrans developed a method to kill them and so they were like well we're not even going to touch this shit well, to be fair, pretty much every Mechanicum weapon kills Terrans really well. I know, and one time that, that, that the Terrans get a hand up, they're like, ah, oh, well, no, no. But that's one thing I wanted to talk about, is, of course, when this thing popped up on the internet, everybody saw that instant death for uh, Mechanicum Cortex creatures and did, like, an angry backflip. Yeah, um... Go into that more, because, I mean, I know uh, Jared pointed out it does kind of nullify the, um, what are the little ant-looking creatures that look like Praemantis? The Vorax. It nullifies them, because they only have a 4-up save. This is an AP4, 
and it causes uh, instant death to them. I mean, if as if they needed something else that kind of crapped on them from up high, you know? Yeah, I mean, really, people, I never see them utilized often, I feel. I mean, they, they gave them uh, Kim munitions for their, um, the Kim munitions poison rounds for the little shitty roto cannons. Yeah. Uh, which helped and they out. Amazing. I've used them. They're kind of a one trick pony. If you can get them in combat, you're probably going to lose at least one before you even charge. I mean, admittedly, I Fun shifted well. all of mine over to my world leader's Pravian and never looked back. Well, yeah. Are they really good there with the Pravian? Because he's granting them all the Legion of Stardust rules, right? Or are you using yeah. them like outflank or something? Rage, hatred. It's pretty great. Reroll ones to wound on the charge. Do they have more attacks than Thalax? Why did you choose the Vorax over the um, Thalax? For my uh, World Eaters Bravian? Yeah, just a side question. Uh, just because everybody was doing Castellax with Pravian, and I had a half a dozen of these little Vorax guys sitting around looking really cool that I wasn't really using in my main Mechanicum force, so I figured I'd give it a try. That's pretty good. But just remember that Castellax are better in every way, and a Pravian with a Castellax is, like, God intended, so... I mean, you're not wrong, but... Yeah, they don't look as cool, though. If you're playing That's true. Cool, the Vorax are the model that really sold it from Mechanicum for me, the 30k. Oh, yeah. You like the little Vorax. bug eyes and everything? So, yeah, yeah like, they look amazing. They're cool, but they do die pretty easily. They can usually kill whatever they assault, but these things definitely pose a problem for them. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so let's get back on topic. I was going to continue to veer off on the, the Vorax trail, but we'll do Vorax another time. Um, let's get back to this damn sicker. Now here, I'm going to be honest, and I'm pretty biased on this. As an Iron Hands player, uh, I picked one up, and I'm throwing Casterman North in it. I figure BS5 and Tank Hunter on this thing is really going to do some damage. Uh, how would you guys, who don't have tank commanders like that, utilize this thing? I've ordered one. Um, I plan on sticking it, uh, the, the castle and readout, and just having it a bit more survivable because it is just a sickering chassis and that's a lot of points to sink into it. Yeah, I've, I've been sticking on the... Uh... Yeah, let's let's talk about the points for a second because, uh, Jared, I think you're absolutely right, man. You're, you're base 205, right? So it's already expensive for a Sakaran. And then you want to start adding some of the special warheads to it uh, I mean, you're already at like 235. Uh, let's see, what is it? 20 points for the. Uh, oh, wait, no, 30 points for the Neutron Flux Warhead. So if you want yep. instant death on any of the uh, Mechanicum, you know, Cybernetica Cortex guys, 20 points for the Pyrax Warheads, 15 points for the uh, Sky Spear Warheads. So. You know, 65 per year. Yeah. And Pyrex is the one that's basically heavy bolters that ignore cover in a five inch blast. So yeah, basically. I don't know yep. if you would really need that. I think it'd be great against um, mortals. You, yeah. face, you face militia or um, uh, solar auxilia. I'm sure it'd be nice. But, you know, then you're list tailoring, hoping to come across humans. For 20 points, you're hoping that you come across humans. You know what I mean? I don't know about that. It's not terrible against Marines either, though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this is a D6 based game, so you just got to roll dice, and eventually they're going to fail. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Sky Spear Warheads are nice because it adds some much needed you know, interceptors, Sky Fire, which I see a lot of Legion players lacking. Yeah, and considering that flyers are. I feel like every list has a flyer in it now. 
Yeah, the before meta is definitely wasn't like that. starting to shift toward flyers, at least in the 30k Richmond game. Yeah, game. and then terminal tracking is great. I mean, even on the original Sikran, I would have Orth in there, and with the terminal tracking, I could use him reliably to pin and shoot down vehicles. The uh, heavy six, twin link BS five, but you know, snapshotting at flyers, you're still going to get a couple sixes, and then if they can't take jinx saves on them, I mean, that's perfect. I mean, they have to re-roll them, but hey, that's just as good as not being taken a jink. So, yes, there's one small issue with the Sky Spear that Dave and I discovered when we played our last game. The issue that? is, so the ripple fire rule, I'm not a big fan of to begin with because it's working at cross purposes. The Sakaran chassis is fast, but you're never going to get to use it because you're staying in place to double fire your rocket launcher. The problem continues when you look at the sky spear rockets because you're giving up your turn of shooting in your own shooting phase to fire in their movement phase and you can only ripple fire in your own shooting phase mm. Mm, that's a good point like uh worst of both worlds almost right well they are experimental rules right now that make it yeah ironed out so, I mean, it still doesn't, it's not Skyfire only when it intercepts, right? So you could just not intercept, which is perfectly fine. I would only, I only ever intercept personally if it's critical, you know? Like if I know he's dropping something right on me, that it's going to get out and kill me that turn. But if it's an assault unit inside of a Storm Eagle, I can wait a turn to then ripple fire, you know what I mean? That is a good point. Yeah. yeah. But, my, but on this, I in my opinion, um, its downside is just like the base Sikaran and all the other Sikaran variants. You can't squadron, so it almost it's forced to play smaller point games, which I think that's where the Arcus really finds its niche. Is you know fifteen hundred and below, you know you only have limited slots, limited points. You kind of have to have a unit that can do multiple things. Uh, strength eight AP two. You're able to fire and kill Terminators. You're able to hit light vehicles, medium armor. And with the Sky, um, uh, sky Fire, you know, you're able to bring some form of AA in a smaller point game without having to dedicate all your, your last cannons and all your you know, everything else to hit on sixes. That's a really good point because then it does make the prax a little bit more reasonable to take in, right? If you're playing smaller point games, you expect less transports, which means you might actually find troops out in the open who are just going to ground or taking area cover, you know? And then a round that ignores cover might actually be useful. Yeah, I think you found this thing's niche there, Rob. I uh, personally don't think it matters how many points you spend on it as long as you can knock one of those stupid vulture acts to the ground. I love yeah. that consistent theme of RVA 30K is in that fucking Bumblebee robot. <laughs> Fuck that thing. Yeah. Fuck that thing. With the Charnable Saber. Fuck it. <laughs> I mean, Jesse kicked it with bolters. They can only be but so bad. You say yeah, that, but it's, I, I it's know. Like the, it's just the, the total... Every every part about that stupid Bumblebee robot is like a Voltron of fuck you. I've only yeah. taken it down once, and I was just a lucky positioning with two 20-man squadrons, Fury of the Legion... Everybody on that one single damn bumblebee. <laughs> hey, I mean, once is more than most everybody else. So, guys, is this Arcus worth a buy? Would you spend the money and the points to put this in your list? It'd definitely yeah. be some fun to have. 
I wouldn't absolutely. use it in every single list, but definitely for just small casual games, absolutely. Yeah, as an Iron Hand, I would say it's Castle North's new compulsory or transport. You're going right. to see me running him in every list now with this thing. So, okay. all right, let's go ahead and move on. Yep. So, Based on 30K, the value of last cannons. That's right. So here at Richmond 30K, a lot of one of the biggest things that I feel makes us stand out is the amount of events that we show every month, every two months. And uh, our two biggest main event organizers, we have Will. We also have Jared, who also just did our last event, D43, the Aftermath. Um, what do you guys got to say about uh, upcoming events? Well, let's actually bring this back um, to where D43 all started. Uh, D43 is the name of the ongoing campaign that's been running between... It started off with just me and Jared and Steven. Um, and I think Matt was in a couple games back when we... He may not have known he was in it, but I'll tell you what, he was in them for sure. Uh, what it is, is it's a subsystem located north of uh, Ultramar. And... It's like next to a black hole. You can find it in the books. Um, I don't have the page on me. Like I should, but uh, I'll see if I can get that page for you. Anyway, so it exists in the existing narrative of the Horus Heresy. So I found it would be perfect for us to bring that over to our games where we could have a little bit of, um, I guess, what, what am I trying to say? Make it feel like it was part of the campaign that was going on in the global Horus Heresy, right? Using existing canon, but adding on. Thank you. There you go. All right. Adding uh, more depth to what we do. Yes. Making it feel like we were a part of the cog, or a cog in the machine of Horus Heresy, I guess. I think it's called a narrative. There you go. Thanks. Thanks, man. I, uh, I got to get on my shit, yo. Uh, anyways, so we've done a bunch of campaign missions. Some of these have been big battles. Uh, I think the first, Steven, was um, the Siege well, the of first... Grey Worm. Yep. Yeah, the first big game we did was Grey Worm. We did yeah. um, a few kind of smaller narratives leading up to Grey Worm, but our big event was Grey Worm, or our first, I should say. Yeah, and Grey Worm was great because what happened was we had Kalth that was released in December, and then the very next month I said, all right, everybody get your Kalth stuff painted. Whatever you have painted, bring to this event, and what we'll do is we'll have recycling of troops so Kalth comes with pretty much all troops, and um, it was great because pretty much everybody got to keep bringing units back, so it kept the game flow going, and it didn't feel like it was drawn out since pretty much everybody just had a box of Kalth, and that was it. But that was the first time we ever had people out to a big event, and it was a great turnout with a lot of people. And then from there, we started hosting events every three months, and now, starting 2017, we're doing every month. Um, so it's been a lot of fun, especially leading up to Nova. We're able to use Nova's guidelines as sort of a guideline to what we will be doing in Richmond. Last month, we had D43 Aftermath. That was, well, I'll let Jared talk about D43 Aftermath, what the plot was about that. When I started writing the, the Aftermath game, um, specifically Aftermath refers to the, what's our, the last event. Prior to that one, where um, Cold Harbor. Um, the Cold Harbor Crisis. Yeah, the Cold Harbor Crisis ended with traders uh, using a weapons platform that was rotating or orbiting the planet Cold Harbor to destroy a hive city. Um, and then Aftermath picks up right after that, where 
uh, loyalists and traders are fighting in the ruins of that city, looking for a relic. When I started writing for the uh, Shadow War missions in Book Six, uh, Retribution, I saw some cool ones where, like, uh, there's a, a special, you know, non-normal character that you have got to like keep alive. I thought maybe maybe we could do something cool with that. Whole whole lot more than that. Uh, cut a long story short. Basically, everybody was fighting over this one object called the Singularity. Character that held it during the psychic phase basically would have their own regardless of whether they were a psyker or not just amplified a thousand times and that could be great and you know you could you could attack your enemies with it or it could kill everybody around you with vortex templates um and then next month we do a christmas event following d43 still because again this is a whole subsector so we've got plenty of planets to play and that kind of stuff um but this is going to be on an ice moon uh that has got a couple rogue traders on it that are, you know, excavating relics, and uh, players are going to go hunt for those relics, which are going to look like little Christmas presents, and uh, they'll have gift cards underneath them. Uh, D blast. Who knows? You know, you might get you might get a ten dollar gift certificate to uh, the store, or you might get a uh, five inch D blast. Yeah, looking a lot forward to that. We have a little secret and, Santa going on, which yeah, sounds yeah, like we'll, Christmas at home. You don't really know what you're going to get. Yeah, uh, let's. Steven, talk us through the uh, Secret Santa. What's that? So Secret Santa was a thing that we started um, last year, just kind of on a lark when we still didn't have a whole bunch of people. Um, but the general idea is I thought it would be cool if we could give our community members a chance to paint something uh, for somebody else as a gift, um, not only outside of their outside of their army, so not necessarily something they constantly paint, like if I got to finally paint uh, Imperial Fists instead of Ward Bearers, and now I'm never going to play an army that's yellow. Um, but also the chance to get something specially made, uh, because especially for me, who one of my favorite parts about this hobby is the personalization of, of the project. Uh, this, this struck me as a really fun idea. So what we did was every person had a list of three models that they wanted, uh, with one entry on that list being you know relatively affordable, because we don't always have a bunch of money. And then everyone would be assigned a giftee to give to, and that person would pick one of the models off of the list and paint it up and present it to their gifter, their Santa, at the event. And then we got to, uh, as a nice little surprise, we threw in that everybody could use their secret Santa gift in the game for free. So, like, uh, one of our guys got a, a unit of really cool converted cacophony. A couple people got Lords of War. Uh, Jared gave me... Samus, I think Will gave Wake a Knight. It was really cool. Even dropped Samus as soon as he got it. Look, you didn't have to. You didn't have to mention that. The fact that Samus' yeah. head yeah. came off broke his head off. Everyone of snapped being... poor Samus's face right off. And now yeah, the Secret Santa famous. was a great time to just expand on your hobby to like try something new that you've never done before. Like I never yeah. painted Raven Guard last year, but that was a lot of fun actually. Plus the uh, wrapping you did for yours was really cool. I like how you found the Raven Guard emblem and then spray painted the wrapping paper like that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, thanks. But that was a lot uh, of fun. yeah, it's little things like that that just make the gifts really cool. Um, Wake and I came together on doing a gift for Robbie that was a Sikoran for White Scars, and I'd never painted white before, and it was uh, not challenging but it was it was daunting to try to approach that uh for the first time trying to do white and the way that wake wanted it done was he wanted the undercarriage of the sikarin to be black which means i would either have to paint white and then tape off or paint black and then tape off 
So, you know, I was worried about paint coming. It was the first time having a tape like that. So it was, it was, um, it was a lot of fun though, for sure. And it was great to see everybody playing with their models. Oh, oh it, it was came so out beautifully. Full. Oh, it was oh, the, yeah. it was like the centerpiece of my, my white scars army. Yeah. And, um, I guess Wake's artistic decision to make the chassis black and the armor that goes over the Sikarin white was really cool. I mean, if I ever do an army that is not Iron Hands again, it's going to be done. If I ever do a Sikarin again, it's going to be done like that, where the bottom portions of the armor will be black. It just adds, it, it makes it look like the armor is actually armor plating put on top of the chassis. You know what I mean? Yeah, it looks pretty, it was really awesome. So, Real quick side question while we're talking about hobby and that, um, and then armor going over stuff. I had a question. Here's a random thought, right? Uh, do you guys think that each legion paint their equipment to match their armor scheme, or do they just get whatever the Forge World sends them and then roll with that so they don't want to waste paint or time to paint equipment? So what I mean by that is, like, in the army, we get radios and mortar tubes and just all kinds of various equipment that's always like army green or black you know what i mean do you think like the forge world sends like their say uh medusa rounds out painted the legion colors or do they just send them out gray because why would you paint a medusa round you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i think uh i was actually thinking about this uh because every everything that comes out of a forge world is in a in effect a holy relic um you know, they even talk about uh, missiles. I, I think you're talking 40k, Steve. I think you're talking 40k. I think in 30k, yeah. it's all just equipment. I think it's equipment. I think I think you're right. I think uh, Will. I think it's the the manufacturer Torum, right? The manufacturum. Uh, yeah, they I would send it out gray with yeah. a stamp, right? Yeah, absolutely. And each legion just sprays that whatever they want, man. Right? Every every jet bike pattern, every. Uh, spartan you know pattern i mean we're uh i mean we're still operating on some level of stc contract right we we don't have yeah. the, the the full technology but we've got enough and mars is cranking this stuff out and all the forge worlds you know risa and and everybody else um yeah i think they deliver that to uh to the legions as like a I don't know. It's an interesting question. Like, you know, base color. Because like, in Mechanicum, know. they talk about, you know, when, um, who's that uh, bald guy with the sword in the uh, uh, Imperial Fist? Sigismund. There you go. Yep, there you go. Sigismund. Uh, everybody knew who I was talking about. Uh, when he's extracting the armor, they talk about how some of it is still unpainted and only has the stamps. So I'm like, well, if they're sending armor out like that, they got to be sending other equipment out like that, right? Because like cool. Robbie and I were talking about painting Kraken Penetrators, and we're like, well, why, why are we painting these? Wouldn't they just send them out whatever the Manufactorum color was? Yeah. The, the Forge Worlds ain't got time for that. You know, it costs money, right? Sure, and ship it out, and then it's up to the legion. But legion artificers do. But here's here's the thing: the painting things are, you know, that that comes from a a practice of keeping things pristine and and in good order. Like they would still put a layer of paint over top of Land Raider, but I don't know if they'll spend the extra time to do all the the legion markings. They'll still probably they'll prime it the color of the legion, but I don't see them giving the heraldry. Okay, yeah. Yeah, not putting decals and shit on your bombs, but definitely at least painting them not gray. I, I can see that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the, the first three books, it mentions the chapter, sur- or the legion serfs, rather, painting all the armor 
and I guess you could throw any equipment there as well. Yeah. I guess if and you've got lobotomized you... people, why not just have lobotomized people paint shit for you, I guess? Yeah, and even but... even certain legions still take a certain amount of um, pride and even the, the most minute aesthetics. Like when you oh, take sure. a look at um, Emperor's Children or, to a lesser extent, Blood Angels. Um, yeah, I, I think it's in definitely see them doing it. The, I think it's in The Purge. Uh, when Sortal Gran is looking at that jackass Yarulak and he's loading bolt rounds into his pistol, and each bolt round has Colchisian inscribed on it. So I think uh, I think it kind of depends on the Legion as to yeah. what's getting what. Well, also, didn't uh, didn't the Mechanicum actually embed with each Legion during the Great Crusade? Like we're we're talking about this like there's this dichotomy of like Mechanicum and Legion and Forge World and Legion. Like I think during the Great Crusade. The Mechanicum was like fucking embedded with each legion pretty pretty significantly, right? That's yeah, how Horus yeah. was able yeah. to turn the the fabricator general, you know, of Mars. He was like, "Here, I've got the full STC, and you can have it, but you have to overthrow the emperor." Right? That happened. I can't remember what book that was, but That's Mechanicum. But yeah, yeah, just a little question I had for the group, and uh, rather than talk about it in the group chat, I figured I'd bring it here. So. Interesting. Yeah, I can definitely see Emperor's Children and uh, Blood Angels actually taking time to paint full murals on their Medusa shells before they lob them at a bunch of turds. You know what I mean? Whereas Death Guard and Iron Warriors are, you know... Yeah, that stuff just stays gray, for sure. Alright, so what do we have next? List building and hot button issues. Yay! Well, guys, come on. What's the hottest issue right now? Book 7. Yep. (laughs) It's obviously yeah, it's golden boys. Everything in book seven is broken. Magnus getting D Novas, custodians being immune with strength ten, three up rerolls, uh, space wolves. Russ, I mean, they, you know they're just they're just they're just dumb. So there's that. Technically, if three three of them are all OP, it just makes them all equal, and everything else is just really weak. So everybody should be playing one of those three then, right? Yeah. That's exactly. What basically, everybody seems to have this generic spot in time. It's, the heresy was okay up until then, but everything after that, all that stuff's broken. <laughs> I mean, was it that way when Book 6 dropped? I mean, oh, when Shattered Legion came yeah. out, people were like, oh, this is so fucking... People are going to pick and choose the best rights of war and the best Legion of Stardust rules and make the best unkillable unit, right? And yet, I don't know. Do we see that? That's Jared. I mean, I, yeah, I run Shattered Legions a couple times. I'll run Raven Guard with Imperial Fist, but I, I don't think it's overpowered. Will you tell me? It can be. Um, Lost one time. Definitely. Like, I'm doing Shattered Legion now with the Iron Hands. I got Raven Guard, and my plan is to have the Iron Hands in their drop pods using Decapitation Strike. So I'll have Raven Guards come down, I'll have Iron Hand veterans come down. And it's going to be cool, because the guys that do come down on the drop pods will be a bit more durable, being T5 versus shooting. I don't know. But, but Will, there's just not this, like, hate on the internet right now for, like, Shattered Legions, right? Like, there is for Custodes and Magnus and, and Russ, right? So I feel like Book 7 is a little bit unique in the sense that uh, it does feel like we power crept a little bit. But I would like to dial that back and say I think Book 7, Inferno, uh, first of all, look where it is in, in place and time for the Horus Heresy, right? It's before 
really a lot of the events that we think of uh, in terms of the heresy. And it was, you know, it was Magnus at his height, you know, and it was Russ at his height. It was it was the the, the Sixth Legion attacking Prospero before, uh, you know, they'd really, you know, taken taken a lot of blows. So I think, you know, you listen to some of the Forge World guys talk about this, and, and I think that was the context in which it was written and developed and balanced, right? So the talents of the Emperor and the you know the space wolves and thousand suns they you know they were in within book seven were meant to be balanced against each other and i think when you take that out and you start to play that against some of the legions that haven't gotten updates you know since book one or two right it it does start to feel maybe uh a, a little uh a little unbalanced i don't know but i would like to offer that as a uh as sort of an opposing view and also, let's uh, let's be real here. At Nova this year, let's see. Custodies were there. Thousand Suns were there. Space and, were there. Yep, they were all there. Did anyone feel like they were just stomping tables? No, nope. I don't think so. No, I brought Custodes and I lost every game except for one. So I yeah. was not stomping tables. Like yeah, I Robbie, Robbie and I played Space Wolves, and uh, we all know how that went. Which is to say, not in Space Wolves' favor. But guys, I think important point here. So I never liked this mentality of negativity because to me, if something's powerful, like I want to see what my Mechanicum can do against Custodes. I'd much rather have like that fun new game and see like what they've got that's strong, what they can do that Astartes can't do. You have the mature mindset of seeing a challenge instead of a roadblock. Thank you. That was put far more eloquently than I uh, I could put together. I know, personally, for me, I play Death Guard and I play Mechanicum, and uh, there's been a lot of hate, specifically against Custodes, right? And it goes two ways, right? Uh, if you're playing Custodes or you're playing one of those harsh lists, self-regulation is a good thing. Knowing you know what a good balance is for your meta is important, so don't necessarily take the harshest stuff, throw in some sisters and everything. And then actually get out and play those armies um, if they are in your meta. Because I know I played uh, several games recently against Custodes, you know, 1,500 or 2,000 point Centurion games. And I thought I was going to get stomped. And the games actually ended up pre- being pretty damn close, and I ended up pulling out wins. So and there's a mentality side with Custodes players sometimes who have these really tough, nearly invulnerable guys it changes the mentality and how they play that game. No, I agree. I think people are just finding instances of really powerful rule sections and saying uh, and exploiting that, saying that they're overpowerful. But I've played what well, we've we've had multiple custodian players. We've got a couple thousand sun players, and we've got a space wolf player. I still fear Mechanicum the most. Amen. Yeah, that's true. I just hate rules so as much. it should be. Although, really, we should all be fearing Militia, and that's the Lord's truth. Yeah. Militia can be very scary. Yeah. People don't know what they should be afraid of until they see a Militia player, and they're like, fuck, what do I do? Yep, it's all fine game until you're bogged down fighting 50 stubborn mortals. Like, you think, oh, best favor, like, I'm gonna totally plasma blast these dudes off the fucking table into nothingness, and then you plasma blast them, and you're like, I just killed them. I killed all 10 of them, and you're like, oh, there's only 50 left, and that unit probably costs, like, maybe 100 points. And meanwhile, they're coming right yeah, towards 50 me. points for levies. 
Yeah, your your one plasma gun is worth more than that entire squad, fluff wise. Obviously, not points. Still, I mean, really. Well, you said you know with custodians, it's list regulation. I mean, but that's that's dull for any other army. Think about a legion player. You could take nine Malkadors in one list. What's stopping you? Nothing's stopping. Yeah, exactly. No points regulation. So no, I mean, that... you might you might only get to play the list once, but you know. Well, that's a that's a thing, right? I mean, it's self regulation and knowing that hey, I just I just dropped, you know, a couple hundred dollars and three months worth of painting into this army, and I raffle stomped everybody that I came up against. Well, you're not going to have a lot of friends and a lot of people to play against, right? So, and you may do it intentionally, or you it may happen unintentionally. I've played games that were bad matchups where I tabled my opponent, and have had the same happen to me. And you just look at each other and you say, well, that was a bad matchup. Um, and most people after that experience will probably adjust how they play a little bit the next time they're playing that player. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Will, you mentioned a while ago, you know, the whole game is rock, paper, scissors. There's a counter to everything. Last week we had a, a Raven Guard Thousand Suns game. You had like four different psychers with Psychic Shriek. And, you know, it really just came down to these on the table. Yeah, sometimes the dice gods are not in our favor. We've all had those games. I know I played a game recently with Jason. He just kept failing after fail for like armor saves or feel no pains on his mech. And it was like the best time, the best game I'd ever had against mech. But unfortunately, it wasn't because of my doing, it was because of his dice. So, you know, I don't know if I can take that win as my win. Take that win. You take that win because that doesn't happen often. No, that's the first time. And it wasn't even a win, it was a tie. Yeah, even when Jason's doing poorly, he still pulls out a tie. We need to have a whole show dedicated to battling Mechanicum. How did you beat that? I feel that's fair. Give them a chance, you know. There is something I want to touch on. I uh, We talked about our events, but we do have Ryan here, who's from Maryland. And I completely forgot to address his events, because we are so close, and we are not physically sister cities as far as distance wise but we definitely are as far as the community goes a lot of their players come down to us we know a lot of their players so ryan what have you guys got going on in maryland uh yeah so kind of took a cue from you guys and uh, and honestly playing with folks from nova i've only been in nova two years um but kind of joining that community it's opened my eyes to you know how important it is to build a community around you right so um, this year at Nova, I ran the uh, narrative event on day one, and I really enjoyed it. Which was it. a lot of fun, by the way. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I enjoyed to be the, running it. Yeah, I got uh, to be the general for that one, and I was dropping missiles on dudes, you know, by holding down the uh, the missile station. It was a lot of really cool mechanics throughout that thing. Yeah, and so what yeah, I tried like to do white for scars. that event... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say White Scars and Zoe Mortalis on Plasma outriders oh yeah uh, and that was fun seeing the dynamics of zone mortalis and what you guys were able to do in there it's pretty crazy always yeah. full of plasma bikes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know i've i've been kind of i've been playing for a couple of years 30k and last year after nova i asked uh the grand legion guys if they wanted help running an event and they asked me to if i would run the narrative event on the first day of nova right and that's Basically, not all their guys are in town. It's kind of low-key for them, but because of how successful 2016 was, they wanted to add an event. So I ran the nar narrative event, and the whole concept with that, I kind of stole from multiple sources. I stole from events you guys ran. 
Um, I stole from uh, Eye of Horus. I stole from Ryan Kimmel at Radio Free Ispawn. You know, kind of taking elements that I liked from different types of events and incorporating them into the narrative. And then after running that event, um, which I thought was pretty successful and it was a lot of fun to run, I went back and I realized that Maryland had no Facebook group uh, for 30K. And when you look around, you've got Richmond 30K. You've got all these groups all over the world um, for their local 30K communities. So uh, myself and another player, Bo, created Maryland 30K. Uh, we have something like 78 uh, players on there. And really the, the concept was I wanted to kind of have a season of events. So you would have, uh, you know, post Nova from the end of Nova one year to uh, the next Nova. So this, this season is the 2017-2018 season. And I wanted to run about one event per quarter. So our first event is going to be on 9 December uh, in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Uh, it's just a holiday heresy narrative event. Three three games at 1850, and then we'll have two Zone Mortalis games where you can play an optional Zone Mortalis. And it's really kind of just to feel the waters out, um, see how many people show up, how much interest there is, and then kind of go from there and and build it with the idea of having a continuing narrative like you guys have done with your events. So this, this is going to take place in the Carthage system. Uh, Echo 23 is the designator. And it's basically this system that, you know, the War Master and his agents have been sowing um, a lot of misinformation. And so it, uh, the regional uh, planetary governor basically secedes from the Imperium, not knowing that, you know, he's casting his lot with Horus. And that causes, you know, loyalist factions to respond. And of course, there's traitor factions already on the ground. Um, and there's going to be some narrative elements that I'm going to employ throughout the event. Um, so I want to keep the narrative heresy going as much as possible and, uh, yeah, we'll see where it's go where it goes. I've got, uh, probably 14 or 16 people that have committed to it, you know, nice. probably, Very have, nice. probably have, you know, six, five or six of those probably won't show up, but, uh, still, if I get 10 players to show up on the first event, I'll be happy with it. So that's kind of where we're sitting with Maryland 30 K feel free to join the Facebook group. And I've got guys from, you know, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia proper, D.C., Maryland. You know, it's kind of the surrounding area, mid-Atlantic. Um, a lot of people are willing to travel for heresy, so that's the good news. Yeah, I think that's really good, actually. A couple things I wanted to hit on. People do love traveling for heresy. You get a good community, people will drive the hour and a half to go play a game. You know what I mean? Unlike 40K, I feel like... I'm I'm not gonna drive out of my way to go play a 40k game. I'll go down to the store and get a a, a quick you know pickup game in, but I, I don't see myself driving out for 40k really. I'll say that. You just really see the passion that everyone who comes into Horus Heresy just has for the game. We will, like you said, we will travel an hour, two hours. We'll drive to Adepticon. You know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about, Ryan. So you said people are there to test the waters and that kind of stuff, right? Are you allowing 40k proxy armies in? I know when we started, we were doing that, where we would allow players who had 40k marine armies, so long as they were using the correct rules and the relative models, to be able to play. I mean, we don't do it now, but I know it's a great way to start a community, to get yeah, people I, in, interested. I hadn't actually even considered it, and nobody had asked. Um, 
you know, the, the, I, I put up front and I've, I've been planning this for three months or so. So, you know, people have known up front, um, a couple things. I set the points value relatively low. 1850 is pretty achievable by people. Um, even with only three or four months notice. Um, and I also put in there the optional zone mortalis game. So if you only had 1250 points worth of Marines or your army, you could play zone mortalis and still participate, uh, without playing the larger games. And then, um, the only, and this is something that it may or may not spar a uh, sidebar, but. I did have one person ask if they could play a demon army, a 40k demon army using the seventh edition codex because they did not have uh, painted 30k models. And so after I had to re- basically I kicked it around with my uh, brain trust up here, and the general consensus was no. However, I'm going to let him play. I had I had to review his list. He had some crazy shit in there. He had Lord of Change and a bunch of other stuff, which apparently is just an HQ in 40k, but I'm pretty sure that should be a Lord of War. Um, So I am allowing that one just so he can play, and I know that he's got a 30k army that he's building and painting. He just hasn't gotten to finishing out the the basics. So that's kind of the one fringe case that I'm allowing right now. And everything's going to be full. I would say let the demons ride because they're they're not very they're lackluster against legions and even worse against anything else and it's still fluffy you know it's there were there were demons uh post avon so i'd say let it yeah. ride man no and so that that's my feeling is it's a narrative event um and for this specific you know setting there are the war masters agents are all over the place they've been influencing loyal houses and all that kind of stuff so I don't think it's a far stretch to build some fluff in where, hey, there's uh, maybe some Davenite priests that were shipped in the system or some other cultists that were shipped in the system, and now you've got to deal with demons. Um, yeah, or even that. even better, uh, if you really want to make it to where the whole group is cool with it, just restrict them to the ZM boards and say that it's a demon incursion on a ship and you have to fight them off. No, that'd, there that'd you go. Awesome. That'd be really good. So I think uh, there's ways to do it. And if you sell it fluff-wise, it's, it's feasible. So Yeah, and that's we've done that in our community. We allow it. Restrictions being they have to follow the 30K four-sword chart, the Crusade list yep. is what I think it is now called. Yep. Um, so they have to follow that. Lords of War still have to come at a 25%. Um, so you're not going to see a bunch of uh, what are those greater demons that have the two-handed axe, the bloodthirsters or whatever rolling around? Yeah, so you, you might have one in a list, but um, I think we kind of said they all have to be from the same god, but mm. you know, it, it, it would just make for more theming, like you wouldn't, although I know in, um, what was the Blood Angels one? Blood Angels book has uh, corn, yeah, Fear to Tread has corn and uh, Slanesh, so I guess feasibly you could see the two gods working together but right, very so cool stuff man we love it um well we're, we're about here to, to help. find out we're, we're gonna find out how included daemons are in the new rule book when it comes out because they are included right I, That's I the word. there's there should be uh some demon rules in there either for generic or you know i think uh will was talking about it in the, in the facebook group but it's probably gonna have demons in there i'm waiting for the demons yeah, Carol's our re- residential. Uh, what, what is it? Zinch demons, right? Paint a lot of those. I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited for demons myself. 
for show. For our next segment, we're going to have a little thing called Fireside Heresy, which is going to be our episodic book club review. And I think today we decided we're going to review Betrayer. Because it's episodic, and it all starts with Betrayer, because it's the best goddamn book ever. It basically is. Um, if you haven't read Aaron Dinsky Bowden's classic sci-fi romp, Betrayer, you're doing it wrong. Unless you have something against word bearers or world eaters for some reason. Even still, dude, I cannot stand either of those legions. I think they both suck dog poop from hoses. But this is an amazing book. The characters in it, Argleton, Karn, how could you not fall in love? Even if you're, you're a staunch loyalist like myself, I still fell in love with these guys and felt their plight. It, it's great. Yeah, they turn into real likable characters. Yeah, I think that's the... Um... That's probably Betrayer's strongest point is, you know, even when you read most of the time about the traitor legions, um, they come off as um, practically as cartoon supervillains most of the time, um, especially the word bearers. Uh, but in Betrayer, as you read it, especially if you've read First Heretic, then you really know, you know, these guys were just as hardcore as everybody else. They're They're legionaries. They're not it's not Snidely Whiplash and Power Armor. It's Argo Talon Karn. Yeah, definitely liked here on the um, Board Bear section when they are gathering up Ultramarines and um, performing the, the rituals on them. I mean, that, that was like dark. It was like, oh, we just could just kill these guys and get it done with. But they're like praying to their stupid dark gods and all that other bull. Hey, it's only stupid until you get turned into a demon prince. Yeah. Uh, I guess then you're kind of right. Yeah, What's I everyone else's opinion on it, though? Go ahead. I, I liked how the word bears have never made sense. I, I still think they're they're the dumbest legion. Even some of the the things he says that they make sense. You know, one time you know each side in this war is wrong. The other side is just more wrong than we are. Some profound moments. Yeah, definitely. So let's actually go over it, Jason. Do you want to take us through the book? You being our uh... Resident uh, World Leader player, take take us through how this book goes. All right, so it's pretty simple for the most part. You're following Karn. You're following his best bro in the whole world, Argel Tall, as they're just trying to get by in life. It's very, it's almost Seinfeld esque when you think about it. Just this, a bunch of uh, Jerry and, uh, is, Kramers everywhere. Is Angron Kramer in this analogy just constantly busting through doors and screaming? Rabute is the soup Nazi. Yeah, there you go. I mean... No soup for you. <laughs> no city for you. Who would be Newman, then? Clearly. Uh, Obviously, Lorgar. Lorgar is <laughs> Newman. <laughs> can, can I talk about one of the coolest characters in this, in this whole series? Absolutely. Captain Lotara Saren. Oh, isn't she? Yes. Dude, yes. Yeah, um, she amazing. is badass. I mean, she's a mortal woman the world eaters refer to as aggressive. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah that's you know, something you want on your resume. And she shot one of them in the face. She slapped one and sent him to his room, didn't she? Yeah, basically. she did. After Go to your room face, and think right? about what you've done. So, for, for, you, for you uneducated and uninitiated folks that don't know, <laughs> Captain Lotara Saren is the captain of the Conqueror the 17th Legion's warship, right? The flagship? 12th. Yeah. Sorry, 12th? 12th? Yeah. Uh, 17th is word, uh, word bearers. Right. Flagship. 
by Delatas Lux. Yeah, she's just a total badass. And uh, one of the coolest characters I think Aaron Dembski-Bowden has has uh, written. Spoiler alert, I think she survives. Right, Steven? Um, she's not dead. <laughs> she's not dead. Not in the series yet, anyways. I mean, the series is still going, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how long she's... I don't know how she's hanging in there 10,000 years later, but... As of the end of Betrayer, she's still hanging in there. I'm sure we'll see. Which is to say a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. They got to be doing a void war for that. And uh, definitely, I'm sure we'll see her. She loves her Ursus Claws. So, yeah, fucking Ursus Claws, man. Can we get some rules for those? So, we came up uh, with a community rule for Jason to use Warhound Titans with Ursus Claws. Which, what, what were those again? Jason, Stephen, I think you guys worked hammered those out together. Yeah, we well, we should uh, for those who don't know. Um, whereas a lot of ships or titans will mount uh, guns, the ships and titans of the Legio Audax, who run with the World Eaters, mount big magnetic harpoons that they spear stuff with and then drag it down and then get to the business. Um, but I believe what we Initially set for uh, Legio Audax versus Claws is a, uh, I want to say it was Strength 8, Armor Bane Ordnance, AP2, uh, Heavy 1. If it hits the target and penetrates it, uh, the target being a vehicle, naturally, um, then it, it either we move the Titan or we move the model it hit. I, I, I think we said model. Yeah, I think we dragged, uh, dragged the model D6 or 2D6 inches closer to the Titan, and then I believe they have to fire snapshots should they survive. Yeah, so it was designed to get a target closer to the Warhound, obviously. Um, and it was short range, because, I mean, a harpoon chain is not going to have 72 inches of range on a table. I don't care how much you have in the spool. It's just not going that far. But Jason, what's the what's the progress on getting that one done? So I've got my Warhound all cleaned and assembled. I haven't gotten him on the table yet. All right, lie to me and retell that story, but make sure it ends cooler. All right, that's fair. Um, I got him all together. I got this badass uh, dark red and steel trim Legio Audax scheme down, and I kicked the shit out of Steve's word bears with him. Uh, damn, I love it. I love it. What would you use for the claw? Uh, that was something I was always wondering about. So, if you remember, way back in Forge World's history, they made these goofy-ass little corn robots called Blood Slaughterers. You leave Blood Slaughterers alone. They are a blessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did, didn't they? They are the stupidest thing to ever exist colored red in the Warhammer mythos. What about word bears? Okay. <laughs> oh man, these things are hideous. They're like they're like yeah, lobster. I just pulled it up too. Disgusting. Yeah. I really so- like them. They don't look terrible, but it's that face on the thing. If it well, didn't have the face. But anywho, there's a special one called the Blood Slaughterer Impaler, which is an even stupider name somehow. But they have a pretty cool little spear gun. I yanked one of those off. It's pretty much the perfect size. Oh, is a blood slaughter that big? That, the, that that little harpoon can work, huh? Yeah, it worked pretty well for me. Very cool. Well, there you go. I thought maybe using the lance from a lancer and then uh, taking, like, the, you know, Warhound Titan's main weapon, like a bulk mega bolter, doing some plastic card on it, and then throwing your lance over that and something. 
Uh, see, that's probably a much better idea. I don't know if, but I don't know. The lance doesn't really say hook to me. But this little hook thing you got on the impaler certainly does. So that that'll be cool to see whenever that happens. You can also take the uh, claw off of one of the Mechanicum knights. Um, oh shit! You're right, huh? Uh, the um, Strix man. has one, doesn't he? He's got like yeah. that little rat engine one, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what else we got? Do we have anything else you want to talk about, oh, anybody? David, you had some sort of um, little nugget of, of secrecy you wanted to share with us. Some sort of uh, emblem. Yes, that's perfect. Actually, we'll oh, we'll end the podcast episode with that, David. Earlier this week. You linked us some little picture that drove the chat crazy, and you just left us hanging. So, what's going on with that? All right, so, this is something that I think, if anybody has the Horse Heresy Black Books, right? So, the Red Books don't have these, but the uh, Horse Heresy Black Books, I'm looking at Inferno right now on page 7, and it's the preface. And I believe they're all the same. I look through the Black Books that I have, which are most of them. And they're the same. And it sort of gives the intro to the the grim, dark world that is the Horus Heresy. And at the very end, I will read this, I'll paraphrase. It says, I saw, with eyes then young, and this is my testament. I was there when Talaran burned and Cheoptis drowned in oceans of blood. I witnessed the skies of terror riven with lightning on the day the war master came and hell followed with him. I heard the funeral bell toll for the emperor of mankind and wept. I remember. And at the very bottom of that page is a sigil or a stamp, and its only initials are AK. And I feel like this is the... This is the the mystery that that has been left in these books, and we need to figure out who AK is, or maybe we don't need to figure out who AK is, but the theories should be amazing. And I guess uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to open it up to uh, comments and see what people think. Does anybody so have any ideas? The badge you mentioned. Is? Yeah, it is like a Legion icon badge, sort of, isn't it? It looks like one of the ones either a Legion would have or one of the armies would have at the beginning of their section for in the black books, right? Like on the red pages, they all have their icons stamped, which are really cool looking. Yeah, actually, Will, that's that's genius, man, because I didn't even pick up on that, right? So like the actual um, sigil of... The initials AK is very much a loyalist Imperium sigil, right? Um, we could probably dissect that a little bit more, but um, it's got the wings of the, what I would assume would be the Emperor. Um, and it's almost got this like tri-crested, tri-fold sigil at the top. We could link that back. Yeah, you're you're out to something, man. Has anybody else dissected this? Has anybody else gone down the rabbit hole and tried to uh, see if any of these clues that were left in that in that uh, paragraph I just read lead I have anywhere? Not, to be and shamefully, I don't think I ever even read read that part of the paragraph before. But it is very fascinating. Um, another thought of me is it might be um, a remembered sir 
who is writing these books is, I guess, sort of the the, the idea of it, right? And is that the Remembrancer's icon? But then AK, I don't know what AK would mean. It'd have to be somebody's initials, I think. Right. Or the um, fact that... What was that Remembrancer who was with the Living Saint um, who escaped on the Eisenhorn? Or is, I, is it Eisenhower? Yes. Senderman. He, he was an old Imperial Senderman. But he comes back in... Um, in uh, uh, what is it, uh, the Beast one, Rise of the Beast series? He's in Rise of the Beast as one of the Lords of Terror. But Cinderman wasn't the Living Saint, though. Was the no, uh, no, no? But he was with the Living Saint. Yeah, he right, he right. was like her, um, I guess hype man. Was that? I don't know what you call it. Yeah, you're Freddy Kula. But he he was in Garrow as well, and he was described as a young man. No, no, he wasn't. Oh, you're right, huh? Because this. Paragraph specifically says I was a young man. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it couldn't uh, be Cinnamon because he's in, he's an old crusty man. Of the Does not say I was a young man. When well, you said younger eyes, he said with eyes still young. Ooh, eyes. Oh, so that could be a metaphor saying eyes still young, as in like before it were tainted by, you know, mm. the heresy and then. And considering he is in Rise of the Beast, which takes place hundreds of years or thousands of years after. I think it takes place a full millennia after. Yeah, so he could be that. That's something to think on. And uh, I think we're going to leave you guys with that thought. If you have anything, let us know, and we'll discuss it on uh, the next podcast. So from the uh, Remembrance Retreat, myself, William, and the rest of the crew, Thank you very much for tuning in and have a good evening.